Welcome to the Mission Matters podcast, celebrating the people and initiatives that embody the Jesuit tradition of St. Louis University, celebrating what matters in the 200-year-old-plus mission that is St. Louis U, brought to you from the Office of Mission and Identity. So welcome back. I am pleased to have as a guest today, Dr. David Pohl, who is the director for the Center for Interprofessional Education and Research. Very happy to be here with you, Virginia. I started off as an undergraduate and I grew up in California. I'm a first generation U.S. born, first generation college student. Uh, When I graduated from undergrad, I got a job in health and it ended up being a path that really opened my life significantly. Kind of concurrent with that, I, in 1985, I also was introduced to and started practicing as a Buddhist. And the idea that in the early 80s, the standard practice was people had health problems and their provider said, well, you've kind of reached the end of your medical management. So just take these medications and keep your life in order and wait, there's nothing else we can do. And that the founder of this program said, well, look, if we exercise and we change our diet and we change how we deal with life and we practice these skills and support you in them, we found that patients start to experience a sense of empowerment and the symptoms of their condition, they could actually manage better, have functional daily lives. So that was phenomenal. It was great. And I I grew and found my passion in terms of the education piece in that process. But I also started to become aware that it was a private program that did not utilize insurance and that there was a very affluent group of select individuals that were having the opportunity to come for a month. I I was learning a tremendous amount. We had a hundred people coming in and joining us every two weeks and staying for a month. So there was relationships, there was all sorts of things. But that gnawing piece of there's people in the community who are not getting these resources led me into a degree in public health and community health. I moved into the nonprofit sector and got a job with a phenomenal organization. It was an urban Indian health program in downtown mm-hmm. Los Angeles. And all the things I hoped for uh, happened. <laughs> Looking at marginalized communities, understanding disparities and inequities in a completely different way and having to challenge my lens of what I thought health was about. So I did that before I left Los Angeles. I came to St. Louis and this opportunity came up at SLU and there was a job that worked on pipeline programs of introducing high school and other kids to health careers, as well as mentoring our medical students in the community in clinical training and longitudinal service. The underlying idea is if if I don't train in the community, I'll never go back there and practice. So that's how I started. 2005, I started here at SLU. So in January, that will be my 20th year. And it's been really an opportunity that I value and appreciate in so many ways. But yes, I did that and I started off there and we'll talk a little bit about the service distinction and how that related to the work with students. As the health professions program started to evolve this idea of what is practicing across professions and teamwork and effective communication to improve care, Somebody said, hey, you practiced in teams in the private sector. You practiced in teams in the nonprofit sector. Why don't you do this? And so I shifted over and started focusing on this idea of interprofessional education. And I've been doing that more exclusively since 2013. Okay. So that's been a full 10 years of that work. In all of that experience, let's talk a little bit about the intersection of the work Mm -hmm. and the mission. I think it's it's more of an alignment. It's kind of like what we've been doing with the core of saying, hey, the core goals and the learning outcomes that the university is striving for with students is not separate from what we're trying to do to develop health professionals. <laughs> we use different language. We have different accreditation and program requirements, but we're trying to get to the same place where we have learners and future people in society that 
are basing their not just on their knowledge and their technical skills, but a sense of compassion and this. What is the purpose of healthcare? It's to help people be able to function and enjoy their life, right? So I, I think that it's that aspect of alignment. Am I willing? Am I able to utilize my faith to value that of the other? Mm-hmm. And I, I really got immersed in this when I was working in the Native American community of saying. I don't have to stop being a Buddhist to value this. And I asked my boss at one time, was there anything that triggered you when you said, I want to hire you? He said, when I asked you the question, do you think that you can come to understand the experience of the Native American people? And I said, I don't know if I could ever understand it, but I believe I can come to appreciate it. In my mind, the interview was over. You you were the person. (laughs) And it's not that I had to take on the beliefs. I had to say that these are valuable, even if I don't understand them. And am I willing to understand them in a way that I can find a common language that what I have to bring is in service, but what I'm immersed in is also changing me. It's a relational. Yeah. There's very practical experiences that I've had along the journey that's given me the opportunity to learn more about what's that language. What is it I can strive to understand more about the students around the mission of the university or different perspectives on faith and spirituality? Yeah. I tend to believe that Ignatius had this idea that when he said we are to find God in all things, that he really meant it. And he My had an opportunity to practice that himself. Having become well-versed in Jesuit and Ignatian spirituality, with the context of being a practicing Buddhist. My mom and I have had many wonderful discussions, and she's a very strong practicing Christian. And one of the things that she said she was struggling with was... This passage of when Christ says, I am the way to God, she had people saying, it's just this, this is your faith. And she said, well, maybe he's saying my unconditional love and compassion for people is the way to awaken the divine in myself. And the behavior as a human being is the path to God. I am role modeling, cultivating that in myself. And people are like, no, no, that's not faith. And it's like, I think ultimately that's what Buddhism strives for and says that, you know, there was a passage in one of the sutras that said, Shakyamuni's greatness lies in his behavior as a human being to seeking and how do I help others and how it's not enough that I awaken to some truth in my life. How do I help others awaken to the truth in their lives that has always been there? The example that I started with where it really pushed me into trying to understand was when I started working here, I inherited a program that the medical school was responsible for this distinction in community service. And so these are medical students that are here for four years. The distinction program was 180 hours of faculty engaged mentored service over four years while you're studying to be a doctor and a project in response to community need. When I started, there was about 15, 20 students a year who said, well, I want to do this. And as that cohort went on, we had about five each year that graduated. So I started really saying, what's the situation? What's happening with students? What is it we're trying to accomplish? Where do we need to change the support? Something's not working. Students would have such an interest and then drift away. I don't think lack of a desire to serve. It's that there wasn't a system that supported that. And you and I have a a great friend and colleague, Dr. Fred Rotnick. So Fred and I connected on this specific project. And Fred is not only a practicing Catholic, he's a physician that graduated from SLU. He's also got a master's in healthcare mission and all these other things. So Fred and I, from two different perspectives of Catholic health mission and Catholic practice, and then Buddhism started to say, what is it we're trying to do here? And what's the language that can be broadly applied that I don't have to pretend to use Jesuit or Catholic language? It's authentic to how I support the students. And what we came down to was we called our subversive mission, which was that we're not 
trying to develop physicians who do some service. We want to cultivate people who feel, I want to serve the community, and I happen to be a doctor, right? So that aspect of professional formation became really what we're doing, is what does service look like in the context of my practice, my work practice, my daily practice, my life, right? And as we did that, it changed the way that we started to mentor students and work with them. I had to learn what's the essence of critical reflection in a Jesuit context. And we were able to boil it down for students. And what I've learned now is the examine model into that very simple shortcut of what, so what, and now what. What, so what, and now what. Now what, right? So that idea of you're going into a community. Some students came in and say, these are what I believe. Some people say, I don't know what I want to do. Here's the goal. Go into the community and say, what are the needs? What are the agencies trying to do? Where are the gaps that they see and how can I help? So when you go there, tell me about a memorable experience. What was something that was significant? Why was it significant to you or the community or this individual that you worked with? And what did it bring up that so what was, it's not just, oh, I these people have so many barriers and obstacles and they're so deprived, but what did that bring up? And then what does that mean lead me to? It's not just, oh, I want to treat everybody nicely. It's I have to learn about why it triggered this in me. And so cultivating in what Fred and I found was the service distinction program was really the opportunity just to talk to students about that aspect of professional formation in the context of health. Excellent. I had a student that I worked with for the first two years and then had a really tough time during their clinical training. And in their fourth year, they I ran into them and I said, how's it going? They're like, oh yeah, I love this. And I like this one and I don't like this one at all in terms of the specialties. And I just said, simply asked why. And they stopped in their tracks and said, I can't answer that, but I'm going to go back and do a critical reflection. And I'm going to come meet with you. Oh my gosh, that's perfect. If I can help you say, what's important to me and how do I continue to use that as a guidepost and a compass? And I can say, why is this aligned with my values or not? Then I've helped you develop a tool that will serve you. Right. right. And the power of reflection, making that a habit. The Jesuit component that really helped me was there's a structure and a way of articulating that process. And if I help students go from reflect on the experience, well, it was nice. I did it. No, critically reflect on this experience against something. The course objective or what I tell you, great. Ultimately, it's got to be against what do I believe and what's true to me? Yes. And that's one of the things that I've learned the language around. And I found the parallels with my Buddhist practice and that Jesuit process. Excellent. The notion that where you are beginning with all those conversations is that each one of us comes with a specific, unique set of skills, abilities, preferences, even biases, the positive and the negative, right? And I think what our culture will often say is start there. And what I hear you saying is, no, that's not the starting place. The starting place is the service and the greater community, the greater good, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then the question becomes, how does my unique person and all that I have to offer and give and bring serve that? How do I show up for that? What's the best place for that? Different people start at different places, right? Some people come in with a very developed sense of who I am. And then life and school and other things and old messages start to confuse that. Right. I had shared with you last week an experience with a current student who was taking a very intensive course over the summer and studying to be a physical therapist. And I ran into her just going out to get a cup of coffee and she thought I was one of the faculty in her course. And she said, Professor, I'm, I, and I could see her, she was so distraught, right? It was just the anxiety and the, I, I don't know what to do. And I just said, hi, how are you? And she said, oh, 
I don't know what to study. I can't study. I'm going to fail this test. I've never failed in my life. My friend was studying me and they just drew, packed up all their books and said, I can't work with you. I can't help you. And so I, I tried to ask her about the study techniques of the anatomy and all the physiology stuff she was doing. And I realized that there's nothing I can give her about how to better study for this. She knows that. And I was able to take a deep breath and step back. And I said, I'm going to ask you a different question. And where does your spirituality fit into your studies? He said, oh, I'm a very strong Catholic and, you know, I believe in God. And I said, great. I'm a Buddhist, so it's not a judgment. It's just me asking, where does this fit for you? I said, so next question I'd like to ask is, where do you see God? And I, she said, in my heart, absolutely. And I said, that's that's outstanding. And I related an experience where sometimes we see God as the external and that we've lost this idea. God in all things includes me. <laughs> right. The divine includes me, right? And that my personal struggle was also about that. But when we talked about that, and I said, then really what you're saying is when you're praying, you've already decided there is nothing I can do. I will fail. I can't get this. You've created a barrier for yourself that the divine aspect of grace that will awaken your godliness in you can't connect. And she said, oh, my God, this is exact. I don't know why I walked into you, but this is And she went off and changed her prayer and how she approached this. And I said, the reality is you're going to find patients that it's not about your physical and technical skills. It's how do I relate to this person? And I saw her a week later after the test and she said, oh my God, it was so amazing. And I passed the test and this was exactly what I needed to hear. And then I saw her at the beginning of the year and she said, yeah, I got a B plus in the class and her <laughs> joy. But I, I think that idea of saying, what are the internal messages we take on? Reinforcing what I say I believe about where that, this idea of Buddhism that I practice says that every single person possesses a life state of Buddhahood. It's a matter of how do I bring that out? And that is, do I engage in a practice that strengthens that state of life or do I go around? Mine, uh, when I started practicing in 1985, I was having a series of accidents every couple of years and, and big ones that almost took my life. And I sought out encouragement and this one very nice lady who'd been practicing Buddhism for 50 years was sat with me for an hour. And at the end of the hour, I dropped my head on the table and said, are you telling me I have to appreciate myself? She said, you're the only person who doesn't. And I didn't know the, the gravity of that. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, you think that your life has value based upon what you achieve or what you do for other people. This Buddhism says your life has value, period. And what do you do to serve others? I didn't know exactly what that meant. But when I came home and really started engaging in prayer every day of what does this mean? What does this mean to me? What, what is my, that critical reflection of my own belief? Uh -huh. I realized that every accident I'd been in, I was so afraid of letting someone down. Mm -hmm. I no longer listened to that inner voice that says, you're exhausted. Take care of yourself. I said, that's less important than not letting someone down. And I would physically get into crashes and accidents. And that when I started really chanting my Buddhist meditation and praying that way, the hardest thing was not to get up and say, oh, but I'm letting people down. It's like, no, stay here and really focus on this. I stopped having accidents. My life has value. How do I value and truly take care of me in order to serve rather than I have to serve in order to feel that my life has any value? I have to pass a test. I have to get this degree. I have to meet the trappings of what we say is important. Sure. And even if you can't teach that, I think you're describing accompaniment, yes. <laughs> mentorship, all of it. It's all the relational language. Right. Relationship. And then there's a process. I find this is how I use my my daily chanting meditations, but this is a practice of critical reflection. And wherever you want to bring the spiritual part into that, 
throw that in and do the full examine, but I'm finding the value in, in each of these pieces, right? The bigger picture that prompted this, to me, the actualization of higher purpose, greater good is very much aligned in the, this practice, in my practice of Buddhism from the context of building a society in which science and medicine and law and all these institutions and disciplines that we create truly contribute to and cultivate the happiness of individuals and produce genuine, genuine value for humanity. In this SGI Buddhism, that, that term is called Rufu, or creating a peaceful land based upon an underlying belief of dignity and respect and valuing others, right? So peace in the land is directly related to me. My life has to have peace in order for me to be able to promote that. And the idea, so of Rufu or higher purpose, greater good to me requires this idea of that that's not where healthcare and that's not where education always is. So it's a revolution to cultivate a different system, right? And what that really requires is it requires me to revolutionize myself and find that authentic voice and, and be able to do it. And that, that's what I then bring to saying the practice of the sanctity of life, the dignity for people, the social justice piece is embedded in education and, and all the different things that we do, right? And that being able to connect my individual life, I think is that's the spiritual part of, of being able to, to do that. So whether that's my chanting every day of this phrase from the Lotus Sutra, Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, or if it's examined, it's me being able to say, here's my challenge, focus on learning here about myself and about others, um, that I can truly grow and, and continue to build something that's, I can accompany others as a peer, I can help students. And what comes up in the process for all of us is doubts and fears and as really, how do I find my highest potential to overcome my doubts and fears? And see that that's directly related to my relationship obstacles or my work with students. So let me ask a related but yeah. sidebar question. My filter is going to be the Ignatian filter. So you're describing things that I would use language like contemplatives in action, the faith that does justice, all that type of Ignatian language, if you will. Are different spiritualities, different religious practices, just different roads to the same destination? Is that how you would conceive of it? I, I find that a little bit reductive and simplistic. I agree. Are those practices and spiritualities more languages that we use to describe realities that we all share? Have you given that any thought? Yes, a lot. Uh, and I, I think ultimately, in my conversation with you, have been the same. It's It's, where does this fit? One of the conversations with my dad and my dad's challenge was, I asked him, well, how do you use your spirituality in your daily life and your work? And he said, what are you talking about? My spirituality, and that has nothing to do with my work or my relationship or my vocation or what I have to do as a job. And that was an underlying issue for my dad in terms of that fragmented way that he approached and caused him pain. So we're all seeking, how do I deal with these difficulties and struggles and the ultimate questions of life and death and relationships with others? But I think that when we reduce it like that, oh yeah, we're all striving for the same thing and let's just get along. I don't think that we go through that process of internally questioning and critical reflection to say, what is it I really believe? Finding, finding the ability to do that and value in others is very much the foundation of interprofessional education, right? So the definition of interprofessional education is when learners from two or more professions learn about, from, and with each other for two reasons, to improve effective collaboration and to improve health outcomes. So I have to start with this idea. I may not understand your professional training, but I'm going to assume that you have value to contribute to me and my patient. Love that. Ultimately, 
that's the equity piece. That's the social justice piece. That's the, the overcoming the racial differences. I don't have to say I need to understand someone's racial perspective. I have to say that you're a valuable human being. How do I appreciate you in that way that you have something to contribute? And that's going to come through learning about from and with each other for a purpose to do something. But the other part is that in, especially in healthcare, and I asked this with people, I said, have you ever been on a team where you can accomplish your goal and do a great job, but you never want to work with those people again? And we all do. We all have those experiences. Yes. And I said, you know, in healthcare, it's an exaggerated framework that we don't have the capacity in the workforce to not work with anybody. We have workforce shortages in healthcare that are causing major health problems. So if I say, well, I can't work with that person, I can't work with that person, then there's something in me that I'm missing, but it also doesn't enable me to contribute to an effective team. I end up blaming the outside, right? So that aspect of, I have two goals here. One is to look at how do we do the care, but two is I want to be in a relation with you where I can create a safe place, you know, clear language. We can learn together. I can say what I do and don't know. We can challenge each other. And it's not about who's right and who's wrong. And I think that's where we don't have to look far in terms of spiritual examples or, or church examples of how different faiths get caught in. You're wrong, we're right, and different things. And if we can go to that deeper level of saying, what's our common goal of higher purpose, greater good? Mm -hmm. I use different language for that. And you you may and other people may, but really if we start to define those, and then the question is, what's my role? Well, my role is as an educator in health. Yours is a role as an educator and you know, person in this field. That doesn't diminish either of us and that we can strive for that goal. But if we create a space where we can trust each other and share and be safe to say, I'm struggling with this, and you can say, Hey David, do you know you really point out this? Or can you go back to what you said was important to you? That is the relational part. Then we say, all right, what's an effective way that we can communicate and measure our progress towards whatever we are doing? But we don't all have to have the same way to get there. Say, I have a role because of my experience, my unique things that I bring, but that role has to be in service to something bigger. I had a friend and, and partner and, and faith, and he was like a brother for 35 years, and he passed away last year. And we went through an amazing experience over the last four years of his journey with cancer. But I was talking to his daughter and helping her to just listen and sort out and kind of critically reflect around what's my dad's experience, what's my experience, and how do I do this? And she had this profound insight in terms of what it meant for her and those tendencies to avoid or what she wanted to run away. And now she has this courage to stand up. And then fast forward six months, she was going through some work problems. And I said, what's the difference between now and this relationship problem with this work challenge and this person versus in January where you had this big breakthrough with your experience with your dad? And very quickly, she said, in January, my sense of mission was greater than my fear. And right now, my fear is greater than my sense of mission. And I didn't have to tell her what to do. She said, I know what I need to do. There you go. The spiritual mission of being this compassionate person who is working for a greater good of, I can demonstrate the capacity of a human being to bring out the best in myself and overcome this difficulty and help others do the same. And that she was able to turn around her work situation. What working with Fred and work, work, working with you and, and others have helped, helped me is language that I use that might isolate people. Uh -huh. I could now stretch myself and say, what's mm -hmm. the language that you would use? And how do we use that together? So exactly. that how we communicate is not the problem. We're truly striving for a shared goal of what we're, we're trying to work on. That's fantastic. Yeah. So that, that those are those are things that we try to embed in the interprofessional piece of that underlying piece. And then 
do we have a clear goal that we're sharing? What's my role in that? Different professions, different players on teams. And can we keep helping students do that in a different context of who am I? Who am I in healthcare as a health professional? Who am I in care of clinical patients? Who am I in care of with community? And so th those are the, the people that we're doing. And going back to the service distinction program, when I left family medicine and came to IP, we'd increased from five people a year completing to 25. Oh, that's amazing. So we were able to take a cohort of 25 from each class. So we were working yep. with 100 students a year, technically. But we said, right, you take these five out of the new group. I'll take these five. And we built other peer mentors and said, I'm going to help you over four years. I don't have to solve all the problems. I can direct you to someone and connecting people with other resources, but sticking with that smaller group. That's great. Those people found that this is really valuable for me to figure out. And we, you know, 23, 24, 25 people a year were finishing that distinction. Well, that's a success story for sure. Well, I think it's a success story for how I had to grow, but it's also a success story of the Jesuit, you know, practices of when we truly integrate critical reflection and professional formation, um, the students are the ones who benefit and the people they end up serving is That's right. the greater good. Oh, well, I, I can't think of a better way to close this. I, I do really appreciate it and, you know, continue to find how we can go together and, and finding and creating the space where colleagues can truly have these discussions without the fear of, well, will I be judged here or outside of here? Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to share and, and continue to learn and grow. And for all of you listening, thank you for joining us. And please continue to tune in to Mission Matters, where we highlight the good work being done here in the SLU community, adding to the 500-plus year legacy of Jesuit education. Until next time, let's join together as a community, walking a pilgrim's path, following in the footsteps of St. Ignatius in our shared mission. You can engage the mission intentionally here at SLU and you can encounter it randomly. But good luck graduating without ever touching it in some way. God bless everyone.